Hello, and welcome to another episode of In Conversation. Back once again, I'm your host, Pat King, a contributor at Years to Feed. Today's guest is one of my favorite talks we've had on the show, as I caught up with Strand of Oaks mastermind, Timothy Showalter. Strand of Oaks released one of my favorite albums of last year, Within Heaven, an album that saw Showalter laying to rest many of the anxieties of his earliest works to instead marvel at the magic of our existence. I had originally met Tim while doing a story on the return of his annual Winter Classic acoustic shows in Philadelphia, and I knew, with how well the conversation went, that he would be the perfect guest for In Conversation. In our talk, we discuss his three-year anniversary of giving up alcohol, the miracle music that inspires him to create, the change of perspective on In Heaven, the lessons he learned from both Jason Molina and Fish, and so much more. This is a very long one, so we'll get right to it. I hope you enjoy. Tim. Okay. Hey. <laughs> hey, what's up, man? <laughs> Listen up. Every time I uh, can successfully log into Zoom, it's like I've won the world. It feels like I. <laughs> I don't know how I forget. How do I forget every time? It's like I do it, and then I don't do it for like a month. And I'm like, do I still have Zoom on my phone? What is this thing? It's so, so it's so funny you mentioned that because. <laughs> Um, first of all, can can you hear me okay? Oh yeah, okay? it sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Very clear. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's so funny you mentioned that because, so my wife Courtney and I we just moved. I think I told you about this before. Yeah, to Philly. Yeah, we we moved to Philly, so we've we've been here for about like six months, and and our bathroom like upstairs like. Uh, what a concept upstairs. I know. Brooklyn. Isn't you know, it wild? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like. Uh, like every time I go into this bathroom, I get tricked by the light switch. Like I think it's like on one side and I always yep. put my hand and I think it's like, yep. I think now the routine is getting it wrong. So now yeah. I just like trick yeah. myself. Assume, too. assume the opposite and you'll get it right. And that's such in that context or whatever. But are you, are you in like a row or row home or? Yeah, kind of. It's, it's kind of like, um yeah, yeah. It's so it's, it's kind of like a, like a bigger version of a Trinity almost. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. Like, yeah. So it's my, my friend referred to it. He was like, yeah, this is like a, a double wide Trinity. <laughs> so it's, like, <laughs> Respect, it's just like it awesome. expanded out a little bit. <laughs> that's language an Indiana person would understand much more than a row house. Oh, it's like a double wide. Okay. I know double <laughs> yeah, wide. Yeah, yeah. I know those. <laughs> oh yeah. That's awesome. I, I was still, I'm, I'm fascinated because you know, I had so many friends live in different variations of row home layouts. And some of them, they never figured out the second floor on row homes. Because there's like a nice bedroom, usually a bathroom, and then like two very strange rooms that yeah. they were trying to figure out. Like, we could have just made this a larger bathroom or two large bedrooms, but they always try and split it into three bedrooms often. And you end up with like one room that's like two feet by three feet, you know, like <laughs> essentially. But I, I love, and then some of them, they have dirt floor basements. They're, yeah, they're just yeah. like, it's crazy. I still don't know physics, uh, how that works. Like, so you just have dirt down there. Like, how's that shit <laughs> yeah. dry? Like, I know, right? How does like, this happen? Like, like I, I, yeah, right. I, I wonder if it's like, 
maybe pressure just like, or yeah, like yeah like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like maybe, an maybe airplane yeah or like better for the moisture like with the yeah like instead of concrete or something i mean you gotta i mean my house in austin is 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 my age and it's needs a lot of work so full respect to some of these houses in philly that are like george washington's age and they're <laughs> awesome still like they're just like they're like this house is 200 years old it's amazing this is great yeah it's it's so funny we were like um we we took like a like an uber one night like coming home to our new place and uh we live in northern liberties so it's like oh i love it there yeah yeah yeah. so So good so like the the uber driver was like driving down like some of those like weird narrow like alleyways like yeah there. and he was like he's like yeah this is probably where like ben franklin fell over drunk absolutely <laughs> absolutely took a piss somewhere like this is yeah, just yeah. where like he got struck by lightning he's like i gotta take a piss i'm feeling weird and it's just like that's the there and i love i mean it's not like i i'm not from philadelphia but i lived there for so long it was so interesting to see when philly was changing when they started naming neighborhoods yeah. Like I always knew Northern Liberties existed, but I remember when it started to be spoken with, with such like reverence, like I live, I'm moving to Northern Liberties. You mean the place <laughs> by, I mean, that's just like Fishtown, y'all. Like, what is the difference here? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, it was, it was kind of like, I feel like it was realtors trying to do New York a little bit. Like, like I live in South Bushwick. All right, come on. You know, yeah. and it's like, but it was, I was always, I was always an anomaly in Philly because I lived in uh, Mount Airy the whole time. So I was just like kind of I was in the city, but not in a way like I was like I loved it. I mean, that that neighborhood, especially Mount Airy, is one of the most like diverse, amazing, progressive. Like it was just a dream neighborhood. And I I loved it. But at the same time, like my ability to get downtown was like. You know, it, was, it, it could take 45 minutes to get to boot and saddle sometimes. Like it was a right. decent, a decent haul. And, but I, yeah, it was weird. I don't think I ever lived. I think I lived in West Philly maybe 20 years ago, but it was always like Mount Airy, Chestnut Hill kind of, well, not quite Chestnut Hill, but that border between like Germantown and Mount Airy area. But it's, if you haven't been up there, there's amazing there's like the Morris Arboretum. It's this amazing like uh, garden that you can go to. That's like this. It was like a private estate, but the, the they have like this is. I mean, if you're into this kind of shit, we're going to be great friends. But they have one of the only remaining ferneries, Victorian oh. era ferneries in the in the country, and it's so it's this like magical fern building that you can go to in the winter when it's like zero degrees and it's 90 degrees and humid in there and it's like a transcendental moment if especially if in there by yourself it's it's maybe the the i think out of all the amazing things i did in philly that was like my absolute special spot like that was where i cherished the most i feel like oh man yeah i it's it's so funny we're we're so new i mean we've been here for six months but like but it's a pandemic, you know, yeah, you're not like, right. you're not really experienced. It's, uh, I feel that with Austin too, like, yeah, we live there, but we're not like there, it, you know, we're not like in the city, in the, in the kind of the DNA of the city yet because of the, you know, the lockdowns and all that and pandemic and everything. But yeah, yeah, right. Like, like that on top of it, like, yeah, we moved, we moved like mid September. So it like just started getting cold Yeah, that time. So yeah. it's just like. 
I mean, it was yeah. good because we got our place set up, but yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like sometimes, like we've we've been talking about it, how it's like, you know, sometimes we'll be like, oh, we can definitely feel like we're in a new living space, but sometimes we forget when we walk out our front door that it's not Brooklyn. Yeah, you know I mean, oh, I know. I mean, I still have. I, I I've now lived in Austin for two and a half years. And I still say I'm from Philly. I'm like, where are you from? I'm from Philly. <laughs> like, oh, hey, wait a second. I live. I have a Texas driver's license now. Like, and I yeah. love Austin. It's my dream. But you just can't. Once you, once Philly is in you, you can never not be Philly. <laughs> like it does. Like you just can't. Like it's there's something so freaking magical about it. And at the same time, bittersweet. Like I can't watch Rocky. I can't because it would make me miss Philly. I was like, I can't watch. I love the move, the Rocky movies, and I can't see my city. It just makes it's too bittersweet. And like, I just yeah. It it was like I moved there at eighteen from tiny town Indiana. So the imprint that it made on me was unimaginable. You know, like you know, diversity, different foods, different people, people dress cool. It was like everything and i just went there with like hayseed they call them so you know just like straight out of like i didn't know what sushi was i didn't know anything and i you just were, showed up there you were axel rose getting off the t- like the yeah, the axel, hound. yeah. <laughs> axel rose grew up 45 minutes away from me to put in perspective you know and he uh um it was a big deal like and i've been to a lot of other cities around the world and it's it's Philly's just it, you know, like there's those cities of the world, you know, Chicago, New York, Philly, Berlin, you know, it's like, it's, but it's, it's so cool. And I definitely feel Philly is in that stratosphere of like world cities, like important. And the fact that like, people are, I love, I mean, I get a personal sense of satisfaction to know that people are now moving to, you know, like, <laughs> You know, because New York is amazing, but it's, you know, it has its limitations now with cost of living and all that stuff. And it's it's one of, also one of my favorite places. But I mean, that's why I still think like that's why Philadelphia has created such lasting bands. Maybe not so much now because it's probably gotten more expensive, but bands around my age, we could have practice spaces and vans and and like work you know like not have to not have to be the art you know is like three quarters of your life whereas your job has to supplement just so you can stay there to create that art like it was i mean that's why i i think that's the perfect formula for an amazing art scene is when you can just be there and be an artist in whatever capacity like it's it's magic for that but yeah it's i mean it's true i mean for the little amount of time that we've been here um you know, I'm I'm a I'm a freelance writer, so I you know I perfect I, yeah I, I I kind of have to you know a lot of my time is like collecting my thoughts, which is kind yep. of like a hard thing for me to do as as someone who's like very scatterbrained. That's a great it, way to put it, it, though. I love that. Like your career is kind of collecting thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but I but I mean, just kind of like yeah having like the room to stretch and and that kind of assurance that yep. you know the city's not out to get me in in yep. some way yeah it was like is i don't know I, I i feel like i've found you know i'm i'm a more conscious writer or creative person you know just That's having so these cool. kind of 
I, I don't know this this kind of the pressure lifted I guess yeah something like yeah that. That, I mean that's a I I think that's that's wonderful I mean that's that like there is there is something where it's like you feel liberated like you have to almost liberate yourself from not distractions or obligations but you know like your surroundings definitely can do that you know like I I you know when I moved to Austin I had no idea that something as simple as heat like blazing <laughs> heat would inspire me like right. blazing hot heat was just everything I didn't realize I needed in my life you know I always was I I grew up and my dad probably we probably had an air conditioner in some capacity growing up but Indiana summers get pretty warm and muggy but I never had air conditioning growing up so like I just like my body's ready to be hot all the time. I get cold easy, you know, like, and it, you know, you just have to like keep your antennas up for those things in life that your body's kind of asking for or your soul is. And then you recognize like maybe the pace was what you need. Cause the pace is a a little bit more, um, how do you say it's, it's more manageable in, and like, cause like when I still, maybe it's from, cause I'm from a small town, but whenever I go to New York, even after 20 some years of playing there and being there, I get like prepared, like for a boxing match. I'm like, all right, New York, let's do this. Let's do this, New York. No, all yeah. right, let's go. <laughs> and like, and, and we've, we've gone back a couple times and every time I leave, I'm just like, yeah. Like I feel like exhausted. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like going in a great 12 rounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I did, I, I made a record and I lived in Greenpoint for a few months and that was, I was just talking to my manager. He's, he lived in New York forever. And I was just saying like, my favorite thing to ever do in New York is when I was recording, we'd finish and I'd be all amped up and jazzed. I would just walk for like yeah. miles. Like I just like would I tried to like walk across every bridge I could. Oh, so I was yeah. like, okay, I want to cross this bridge tonight. I'm gonna cross this bridge tonight. I'm gonna try and do this tonight and try and hit the whole, you know, like see how let's see if I can make the red hook, you know, like let's see if I can just do this. And it was man, I felt like I was living some kind of novel or something. It was it was uh, you know, I yeah, it's just I guess life is collected experiences essentially and it's just like you get to this thankful mode of like oh my god i'm thankful for this awesome and not my life's got a little bit more frosting on the top than like people who are you know not able to move as you know i got to travel and do some crazy insane things but even without that you just start realizing i'm turning 40 soon and it's like the collected experiences are just you get overwhelmed sometimes. Like I, I, I'm in Los Angeles right now working on a crazy new thing in my life. That's going to be super fun, but it's like a new chapter, but I was flying out uh, two days ago and I was just like, I was overwhelmed. Like I, I, poor people sitting beside me always think like, who is this crazy person on the plane with me? But I was like (laughs) getting kind of teary dyed because I was just overwhelmed with like, I was just like thankful for this life, you know? And I was like, I'm so thankful that I get to be to do this, you know, and like being a kid really sucked for me. Like it was not a good thing, uh, you know, and it didn't, and like it was, it wasn't my family or anything. It just, I didn't work well as a kid. I was, you know, I just wanted to be a grown up. And like now there's moments in my life where I'm a fucking grown up and this is awesome. Like I, I'm just <laughs> like, I'm doing this. I'm going to go work, hang out with friends. I golfed yesterday, you know, it was like, this is, this is how it's supposed to be done. But. I, I was I was kind of thinking about that recently too, where 
Yeah, like I, I totally agree with you. Like I grew up in a small town as well, and so we had like one traffic light, and yeah, I, I think I think like fifteen hundred people or something. It was like really, yeah, that's small, yeah, really small, kind of up by Vermont. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's just hard. It's hard to. Um, I always talk about this with people I know who grew up either like close to New York or um, like on Long Island and had like, yep. had like a burgeoning like punk and emo scene or Absolutely. something. And, yep. and it's just something I didn't have. Like I, yep. I didn't, I didn't have like a scene at all. Yep. And, um, but I, I ended up being a part of a, not really a scene, but like finding, finding people along the way. But I, I feel like, um, now I I've been thinking about it where like I've kind of grown up into being the kid I wished I was. Exactly. Know? And that's the dream. Like yeah. I I wear Reebok pumps and it probably looks ridiculous but I just wanted Reebok pumps as a kid. Yeah. And god damn it, I'm a grown up now. I'm going to get some Reebok pumps and wear them all the time <laughs> and like bring uh, bring up and it's it's funny I I've been wearing them around, you know, I walk all the time and I was like even this morning, I was walking at coffee, and like four people around my age just like pumps, man, pumps, <laughs> and I'm like, right, you know, and it's like there's those things. Like it's probably why I wear them because there's like I'm always looking for an excuse. It's probably why I'm a musician. I'm just looking for an excuse to be less lonely and talk to people, you know. So right. it's like I'm a little ostentatious the way I dress because it's like, man, I'd love to get, I'd love to have a talk about Reebok pumps on my walk today with the random stranger or something like that you know talk about d brown or whatever no look dunk and you know it's just like i'm looking for that all the time and you know and it's it's just it's it's basically just like uh an accentuated version of that when i play shows it's like okay well my goal has been completed i've gathered people in the room so i'm not as lonely <laughs> you know i'm surrounded by people that you know, if they're willing, they're going to talk to you about cool records and stuff after the show. And, you know, it's been a, it, you start like paging Dr. Freud a little bit of the, your intentions of doing certain things. And it's just like, I think, I think that's music is magic and it's my, it's the magic in my life. But at the same time, like you can go one step further and it's just like, it's just people yeah. <laughs> that are the magic, you know, and music is the vessel for me to, connect to those people in a certain way, you know, and I, you know, I was a school teacher and it's the same thing. Like I just love being in a class and it was kind of my room and I get to hang with the kids and see them progress and all that stuff. And I, you know, it's just, you don't, it's not, I, it's weird. I, I've, I've actually, cause I'm kind of like in quarantine. So I haven't been able to do anything for like two <laughs> days. So I've been very excited about this talk. So like, I can talk to somebody and not, yeah, yeah, my wife all the time. But like I, uh, you, you, I've had a lot of time to think about it, and you understand that like you get this contemplation that I'm finding a lot recently, where it's like you're not finding the answers; you're just finding you're you're, you're not figuring things out necessarily better. There's just like lights on the road <laughs> that you can oh, kind yeah. of see where you're driving. You don't know where you're driving to, but you can kind of see the road a little bit better and there's a slightly clearer vision of why you're doing things or, you know, your intentions and all that stuff. And it's been, it's helped in all capacities, you know, whether it be writing, you know, for people like, you know, like all those things when you just start, like when you give up on like trying to figure everything out, I think that was such a 
felt like a youthful energy of mine. Like, I'm going to figure things out or figure out why this problem is or why I'm sad or why I'm happier. I'm like, ah, I'm not really that concerned of figuring out. I just would rather, you know, like understand where it's now and understand that I'm in this present moment and the things that lead me here. But, you know, it was like, I, I had a friend once and she was, she's one of my heroes and like, there was someone that was just constantly going over like kind of minimal problems that their parents did when they were seven, you know? And, and she was like, aren't you like 35? Just enjoy your life. Like, let's do this. You know, people have problems. I've had some horrendous shit happen in my life, but I just am like, I don't know. Part of that is I think like the thing that happens in my family, like it's not like that we're, we're like n- not thoughtful people. It's more of just like, Yep, they're gone. I loved them. Great guy. You yeah. know, and it's like the voice of my dad. Yeah, my best friend, you know, great guy. Not here anymore, but, you know, he was a great guy. We had a great time hanging. And, you know, it's like I've got this existential artist mind, but also this farmer brain yeah. that is just like, yep. You know, like I can just see my grandpa's like, yep, pretty sad today. Pretty sad. You know, just like, what does that mean, grandpa? Like, I mean, he would never say he was sad, but, you know, just like, like the, the the layers underneath it, it's like I'm always living in those two, two not conflicting worlds, but just very different worlds that I've always kind of straddled the line between. I guess. Yeah, I I think I think you know our our families are very similar in that way, and and I it really kind of brings to mind a very specific moment in my life where in college I had a friend who. Um, her whole family uh, tragically passed um, her house burned down like in the middle of the night, like due to like an electrical fire. And it was like this horrible situation. Her name was Jenny. And um, her funeral was on the same day as my cousin's wedding. And, and, and I I remember being like, like, I have to go to this funeral. Like I have to go to this funeral and like pay my respects. And I remember talking to my dad who, He's in his mid seventies now. He's like a Vietnam vet, and uh, he was like, "Wouldn't you rather just go to a wedding than a funeral?" <laughs> and, and I remember, yeah. and I remember just being like, "I do not understand that at all." And and as yep. I've gotten older, now I do, yep. because it's like, yep. it's like, oh, okay, like what am I going to accomplish? You know, yeah. if, I, if I go to this funeral, yep, um, you know, I'm I'm missing out on something that's beautiful it's it's like exactly my, fa- my family getting bigger and yeah and, 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 that's such know. a good point yeah and then as you get older you kind of want your funeral to maybe be more like a wedding yeah <laughs> you yeah. know, like, no, you know as I, every year i get older i'm like yeah we don't we don't need to play mod let's just have a frit when i'm gone to have a party like just shoot off some fireworks <laughs> ultimate rager you know bring the best choices stuff and just have a part you know and it's because it is it's just like i Oh man, I I've been kind of like surfing the existential wave for the last two years because my my mind has just had so much time to like be still yeah. and like be in my garage for thirteen hours by myself, listening to music and doing projects and stuff. And like I just it's it's a good thing because like I used to explore. I felt like I just ex- I, I tried to like. I was on this like ultimate treasure hunt for the saddest, most 
cathartic experiences all the time. Even my wife kind of laughs at me. She's like, man, when I met you, you were just like, here's the saddest song ever. Here's the saddest. Let's watch Love Liza and listen to some <laughs> unbelievably sad music or something like right. that. And it's not a disservice to that art, but I just, I f- and my wife was always the opposite because she had a, you know, she had a challenging life growing up and still there's issues that are tough in her life. And we're dealing with, you know, with, you know, it's just, she's lost a lot of important people, but like, she's just, I, I learn from her every day. She's like, I don't know. I'm just trying to be happy. She yeah. says sometimes I'm like, wow, wow. Like does sometimes I feel like sadness, sadness comes with privilege. You know, it's like, you know, I always, I always thought, and this is a, this is a crazy example, but like, think of someone in like a, like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I always think of like, trying to explain some of my problems to like my grandma grew up in like a tenement farm in North Carolina in the depression. Like, yeah, I'm really bummed today because, you know, like they just, you know, my espresso maker, I didn't really grind the beans to the (laughs) optimal level of espresso or something like that. She would just, you know, I just think of her and she was, she would steal like steam stamps with the tea kettle if they didn't weren't marked to save stamps, to be able to reuse them and stuff like forever forever marked by the great depression and and thus forth i was you know because they were big parts of raising me and i'm going on a lot of different roads but i do this is this is a real random thought i had recently but i wonder if children now who have lived through this pandemic in a particular age range if they will be marked the same way that the great depression age was like if they will then live with this they probably will. And I mean, it's something that I, I hope people are paying attention to, especially as a former teacher. But, you know, I, you know, I still, my grandma is still alive and you still see some marks of the depression on her and that those rough times. And that was however many years, you know, 80 years ago now or more. And I, I do, I look at, I was just playing with my friend's daughter yesterday and she's four. And I just look at this sweet, perfect little creature. And I'm just like, What's this going to do to you when you're 16? I hope it, I hope it, uh, what's the word? Um, fortifies. I hope right. that I, I hope it fortifies these kids and they all get into farming. That's my dream. I hope, <laughs> I hope in 10 years when these eight year olds become 18 and Pitchfork is writing about the coolness of farming and like, let's go out and farm, like, and get <laughs> Wait, off our screens. And, pitch, you know, <laughs> Pitchfork like pivots into like being about actual pitchforks and <laughs> yeah organic farming yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, and stuff like that like this is what it feels this spinach this this you know uh dinosaur kale gets an 8.7 it's unbelievable you know or whatever and <laughs> but i i don't i i that's that's why i try and be hopeful you know because the it's such a it's such a good word and i i hate the word but it's such a good descriptor of when people say doom scrolling yeah and it it does like and I see the difference between myself and my wife is not on any form of social media. You know, she's very successful career wise, but she has no interest in Twitter or anything. And the things that I get wrapped up in that are do not surmount to anything to do with my life and my existence of that day, you know, like just like weird Internet chatter that happens in the day that is like and I'm just worked up on she's like, what is the matter? I'm like, actually, I don't know what the ma- I don't know what's the matter. Maybe I, it's. it's Maybe it's nothing's wrong and I'm just creating problems or bored. That's what she says. Boredom. Yeah. Boredom is the door opening to 
you know, just that doom scrolling mentality. It's like, I'm bored. I'm going to open this door and just go into a panic mode for and waste a day that we get to be on this earth. Waste a day that like this is this. Everyone you're done with that checks off the calendar and that's not coming back. You're one step closer to, you know, you're every day you finish is one day you don't get again. So like, yeah, it's very cheesy and hallmark, but I always say I look like a bounty hunter, so I'm allowed to be cheesy. If any like <laughs> little art rock kid wants to talk about, oh, he's sentimental, talking about spirituality and existence. Of course I am. I look like a bounty hunter and I'm happy. So what yeah. are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so funny. Like, I don't know which one is worse, doom scrolling or the concept of an endless scroll. Like, oh, you know, that's crazy. That's yeah. like, there's I, no bottom. There's yeah. no bottom. And, to it. and like, I hate I hate just like. Because doom, like it, it like evokes like an emotion, like a, a real yeah. sense of urgency. But like the endless quality to just being on Twitter, yeah, and just like going back days, yeah. Like I, I think that that is like a sign of like something is broken. Like if yeah. if, if you find yourself doing that, that's and, when it turns into a slot machine. You're yeah. just at a casino. You're just like, oh, here we go. And I'm not a luddite. I do that stuff too. You know, I I'm not. That's a, that's the thing I always want to be careful because I don't be like, well, listen to me. I got the, you know, it's like I do that shit all the time, too. And it's like, but I I don't think I'm smart enough for technology to be. I lucked out with this problem of not being very capable or not caring about <laughs> learning stuff. So, like, my friends joke me. They're like, you use Twitter the weirdest way I've ever seen. I was like, well, how do you mean? And they're like. I didn't realize the way I use Twitter is like, I'm just doing this, but online to people I don't know. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. How's it going? Cool. What are you into? Like, you know, it's (laughs) like, I don't, I don't know how to do it any differently. And it helped. Like, I love Twitter because I don't know how to use Twitter. I'm just on there going like, what's cool today? What's cool? Cool weather today. You know, and just like, because again, it's the same reason why I want people to talk to me about my pumps that I'm wearing. Like, I just want to talk to people about, anything you know like it's, just, it's really it's really funny because i i was thinking about this the other day how you know being gullible like is is like a yeah it's like is is a sign of it's like a it's like a mark against you but I've, I've been thinking about that word a lot lately where it's like wait is it the fault of the person who's gullible that it's bad or is it the other people yeah that are taking advantage yeah, you know, it's like it's like being gullible is like I don't know, it, at least I I think for for people like us where we want to kind of give people the benefit of the doubt or or Absolutely. Kind of, or kind of realize that maybe there is something cooler out there that I'm not into yet and like yeah. I, I just want to check out and yeah. and like kind of like putting yourself out there is I I think and it admirable. sucks. Yeah. It's it sucks to do because you're putting yourself out there for you're setting yourself up for either the greatest pleasure or greatest fall, but it's worth it to do that. Like I've, I evolved past this point of not caring to look like the fool. You know, I, I openly, I openly compliment people, (laughs) you know, (laughs) even when they don't, I'm like, awesome, awesome nails, cool shoes, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, how you doing? And I, everyone I put out, I hope to get one back, but if I get one back, like if my wife and I on a walk and I get to talk to somebody about something, their cool succulents they've got in their yard. I feel like I just played a guitar solo, a good guitar solo. I'm like, I did it. And she sees me. I, I walk through the rest of the walk. Yes. Yes. Or like, 
I'll get somebody to wave at me that just doesn't want to give me the time of day. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to get, we're going to get this talk going. Or like, you know, I, I don't ever, I never do it aggressively. I just, I'm like, I'm like, let's see if it works. If it doesn't, I don't give a shit, but <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. worth it trying, you know? <laughs> and like, you know, I've had more times, like I was uh, right before Thanksgiving, I was in Los Angeles again for this job thing I'm doing. And uh, I had this very long Uber ride the night before Thanksgiving. It was unbelievably ridiculous how far I was trying to get to in an Uber in the highest traffic day of the year in the worst traffic city. But anyways, I got in this Uber and it, we were going to have two hours. And this kid that picked me up was a saint because where he found me was so far away. But we got in the car and I knew from the get-go he was playing the jazz station. And this kid was probably 22. And I was like, hey, he's playing some good jazz right now. So the first thing I said is I just looked, I saw this kid and, you know, he started, he asked me what I did and I was telling him what I was up to. And I was like, what do you do? And he's like, well, I direct hip hop videos. It's like badass. And I was like, so we were talking about that and I just heard in his voice, I was like, I was like, I feel like, I feel like I need to show this kid Alice Coltrane. I think, I think he's into this really awesome hip hop community. Like I uh, show me some of the stuff he's working on. We, we were in the Uber for two hours together. mind Damn. you. So like, I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was listening to this hip hop. I was like, can I show you Alice Coltrane? And he's like, I never heard of her. And I was like, I was like, well, let me show you. And we put it on. I was like, I was like, cause there's a lot of hip hop cadence in some of her stuff. Like that definitely has this, like, I mean, it's perfect music. It's the combination of this, of all cultures, you know, East and West, and, you know, low and high art, everything. But here I am with this absolute stranger. And I, he could, he, he, I, he probably could have been like, what is this guy talking about? But I just was straight up. I was like, I feel like you need to hear Alice Coltrane in your life. So we were stuck in traffic and we ended up listening to the whole, like almost a huge part of her catalog. And like, we both were crying at some point. We were talking about all the amazing experiences in our life. I invited them to my friend's house. I was like, you want to come in and hang? He's like, oh, I got to go to a party. I was like, but yeah, cool, man. But, you know, I mean, that to me, that connection I had with him was as important as anything I'll do in my life. You know, like that, that is, that was a, and that's what I'm, I'm rambling because I'm excited to talk to somebody. Sorry, but I just oh, no, like, no. Yeah. That, that was as important as a record, you know, and, and, and that's, that makes me very grateful because it's like, that means you don't have to make records to have the same satisfaction as to make records. Cause I always am afraid of being exclusive. I think artists don't do a good job that artists often are very exclusive and it's like, look what I can do. And you're going to watch me do it. And I hate that. The Indiana in me hates that. Like, no, we are the same people just breathing and shitting and trying to do whatever we're trying to do right now. I'm just doing this and you're doing that. So I never want to be exclusive and like, well, when I conjure the muse into making an album or blah, 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 it's, it's no different than going to do whatever your job is and, or school. But I, and that's, that's what's so, when you start realizing, like, wow, conversation is just as enlightening as, and powerfully impacts the course of a life as a huge giant project. It makes, it makes everything in perspective and even better. I, but man, that was like, I tell you what, you know, I was, when we were, we were listening to this Alice Coltrane song, Om Shanti, and it's become like my help, you know, it's just deeply important in my life. And I'm sitting here like, we are just jamming it. I mean, like, 
there is not a notch higher in the volume in this car of this stranger that I just met. And I was like, this is the singularity. Like he is jamming. I am jamming. We are so freaking intertwined right now that like, I'll never see him again. Actually, I probably will. Cause when I left, I was like, I will see you at the Grammys. Like probably I won't be there, but you right, will. Yeah. Like yeah. you are going to, you are going to go far in your life. And like the Grammy for the best spiritual jazz album or something. Yeah. You know? And then I feel like I accomplished <laughs> everything, but like part of me had the satisfaction of like, there is a, I hope the young hip hop community and if they, you know, assuming they haven't heard, they probably have because kids can hear everything. But like, I'll feel a little tinge of pride in like two years when this newest record drops or single drops. I'm like, oh, there's some like cool chanting in that song. All right. Seems like Alice is working her way into this scene a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I I feel good that I'm talking to you today today because uh, it's I I saw on Twitter that you you said it was your third year anniversary. Three years. Yeah. 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 Wow. I, I mean, I wouldn't. I. I mean, that's for like the, I've, I've changed my, I've changed my approach. Cause right after I stopped, I had this very approach of like, people do what they're going to do. Don't hurt, don't hurt anybody else. Don't hurt yourself. Like do what you're going to do. You know, kind of that mentality when it comes, I didn't feel at any place to tell people what to do or not to do, but I have kind of changed that. And if, cause oftentimes people, cause I'm pretty open about not drinking, and people will come up and say things like, I think I've got, I want to work on this. I want and I used to be like a little bit more passive, but now I'm just like, just fucking stop. Yeah. Just stop. I'm, I'm four it's days a poison. out. I'm four yeah. days out from a year. It's yeah. just, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, and I just think like it is the destroyer of the spirit. Like, I don't want to sound conservative. Wine is amazing. It's nuanced. It's awesome. You know, there's bourbons out there that'll make you hallucinate, but it's just like, as far as what it chemically does to your body, it's a, it's a spirit destroyer. And I, in my life very much. And I, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I just will tell, I've had some friends in tough times and I tell them like, everything will get better. Absolutely. Like I cannot say that about anything else in life, but everything will get better. Everything. I I remember hearing uh, an interview with Randy Newman once. Nice. And he was, he was talking about, he was like, yeah, I've been, I've been around for a while. He's like, I've lost friends to like, to heroin. Like, of course, like there are drugs out there that are, you know, just so destructive, but he was like, he's like, but I think booze is the, it's the sneaky mind changer or something like that. A mind changer. That's it. And I think it's true. I I think like I always, I was talking to my brother about it and he was asking me about it. And like, I, I quit for like a couple different reasons. Like I was starting to get like a, allergic reactions where like my face. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was just like, I was like, it's just not worth it. Like, and the way I used to drink, like I, I could drink a lot. So like, yeah. it was, it was just, yeah. I was that kind of yep. drinker, very sociable. Like it kind of like Same. activated my brain. Yeah. Like, I talked to bartenders all the time and yep. like, I was that kind of guy, but um, I was talking to my brother about it and he was, he was asking me about it. And I was just like, I was like, yeah, I, I think I just kind of got exhausted from having like a hard edge, you know, yeah, from it. that's it. And, and I think it's like, it's like, I don't know. I feel as though it makes you feel like you're at the mercy of your emotions instead of, I'm not saying I can control my emotions, but I, I, I'm not at the mercy of my emotions anymore yeah. where, 
there's there's like unfounded sadness or sometimes unfounded excitement. Like I don't need to be this excited right now. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Like, you know, like it's, I don't need to go and build a cabin in the woods with everybody I beat, you know, and we're going to, you know, I don't know, build a, build a half pipe. Or, you know, I was always that guy when I was drinking, like I'd meet people like, we're going to go, we're going to go build a half pipe. We're going to start a band. We're going to do this. Oh, oh, oh. And yeah. then I, 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 I was, it. I was a connector. I was like a yeah. connector guy. Yeah. The mayor. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's what I felt like. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's good to be connected and stuff, but I just, I mean, I, I was, I was, uh, my main thing for when I stopped was like, I'm boring now. What a terrible thing to say to yourself. Like yeah. I wasn't boring. Maybe the things that I thought were important were boring. If you go to a bar after you stop drinking, like I'm drinking water in this dirty room for eight hours. What am I doing here? This is a dirty room. Like this is <laughs> yeah. like a bathroom that I have to share with people and stuff. Like this is bullshit. Like I, 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 I could be sitting and listening to like, amazing records with my friends, you know, and I, I, I'm always, I don't want to be a proselytizer or anything like that, but it's just, there is, I, I, I do think particularly when it comes to alcohol, it, it destroys the, it, it, it lessens the, it lessens the extent of existence. You know, it, 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 you are not, a, it forces, it, it, it prohibits you from like three dimensional living, I guess. Right. And There's- there's a there's a Norm Macdonald joke there. Well, he he just passed. There was a Norm Macdonald yeah. joke where he um, I think he he had been like sober, I think for like 10 years before he died or something. And he was like, the joke is he's he's like, I hate going to bars with my friends now because I just sit there and stare at a wooden table. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like and I, you know, I, I think and there, it was great timing because the. The other issue is, especially with, you know, like drinking and carrying on like that, there's a, there is Keith Richards did it. That's the guy that did it, but there is not a, there, there is a, there's a cutoff that usually people are about three years too late of realizing the party ended. I was about four years too late to realize this party has been over about four years and I'm still (laughs) trying to keep this going right now. And I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything figured out at all, but I just didn't, I'm like, I'm just happier, you know, and, and happiness doesn't mean rainbows and tulip fields all the time, but it's like happiness is, you know, joy extends way well past happiness. And, you know, and I do feel joy and I feel, yeah. I mean, and this is, this is the course every, you know, I remember thinking like being almost cynical, what a terrible thing when you'd look at people and they're like, oh, why did that person, when they get to be their like certain age, they became more spiritually minded, they became more meditative, you know, and I always thought that was like, why are they getting soft? Like, what's the matter? And then in my life, that's happening. You know, I find myself meditating and praying for friends to whatever, I don't know what I'm sending it off, what radio station I'm tuning into, I don't really care. You know, I'm just like, I wake up in the mornings. I did it actually before it was based out of a, a slight panic attack. I was playing the, um, the festival uh, XBN festival last September. And I wanted to do a good job because I'm back in my city. I, I, I was worried about my voice because I had been practicing for like four days before that and singing for eight hours. And my voice was not ready to like do that. So I was, so I just had this like slight panic attack in my hotel thinking of like, I'm not going to be able to do a good job today. 
you know, and that's usually my panic attacks with music. It's not, you know, like it's, it always boils down. Like, I just want to do a good job because people are here. Like, I want to be good at this. And I thought I got very worried. So then I had this thing where it was like an extremely organic moment in my life where it was almost like this, this like tree of thought that happened where I was, I started thinking about my voice and I started being like, I'm thankful that I was given this weird Adam's apple and strange accent that made my voice sing the way it does. I'm thankful I got, I know what notes are, but then it went into like, well, I'm thankful for my wife and I'm thankful for my friends and thankful for my family. I'm thankful for every fucking person in this audience right now, you know? And And then it started like expanding and it became this meta thought. And I, I've practiced that now. I don't, there's probably, I'm never good at formalities. There's probably a, a, a specific term for this or practice. I don't have the brain power to like research it right now, but it is, it's, I, I it's turned into this thing I do every day, but I just, uh, it just turns into like this very centralized thankfulness in the morning. And I try and branch it out to as far as it goes, you know, and just like, and, and not asking for things. I don't want to, I think it's, that's when it gets like mystical, not mystical. That's when it gets like a little bit Lord of the Rings fantasy land where you're like, I'm going to ask for things. I'm going to be thankful for things. I'm just going to say like, thank you for, thank you to the universe for allowing me to do have this life filled with people and all these things. And I, you know, I, I've started to write songs for my next record. I didn't plan on it but I just started writing all these songs and they're just like, usually my songs are contextual. They have all this like over, like, I love them. I love my weird brain. You know, like <laughs> my cat and Jimi Hendrix hanging out in heaven, you know, it's like, that's the way my brain works. But like these new songs I'm writing are just affirmations. Wow. Like they're just like, you're fucking great. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and it's like, you know, like, I, I don't know. That's how these songs are rolling out. So I, I'm, I'm excited. Like I, I, and you know, I, man, I'm going all over the place. I had a, I had a huge coffee earlier. Oh, I was yeah. just a nice. enormous coffee. <laughs> like I was, I, I was getting like, I got a Cortado and I was like, can we make that? Have you ever made a super Cortado? That's how I talk to people. They probably think I'm an absolute asshole, but I was there. I was like, you ever make a super Cortado? <laughs> she's like, what does that mean? I don't know. What would a super Cortado look like? It's <laughs> she's yes. like, it's like a lot bart, of shots it's like when bart when bart simpson gets like the giant squishy like at exactly. <laughs> so the, but she definitely made a super cortado it was nuclear so i was like i was like i'm gonna take a little walk and i call my wife I, and it's la so i i get up ridiculously early in the morning like in austin i'm usually up about five in the morning making coffee so then when i come out west it's two hours early or however it works so i'm like dang it, I'm up at three o'clock in the morning. This is not going to work for the day. So then I have to like force myself to try and sleep. But I was like, got up. You know, I finally was like, okay, I have to like wait till it's like humanly decent to get up. I'm like, is it okay for a person to be up and about at 530 in the morning? I don't think anything's open in Burbank. Maybe I'll wait a little bit longer. So it was about 630. I was like, okay, it's decent for a human to go out and like start their day now. So I, I got this super cortado and then I was like, I'm going to do a little quick walk. And then I walk into like, I don't know. I think I walked like four miles to like the universe. I want to see where the Harry Potter stuff is. The universal studios, I think it's called, but wow. I'm caffeinated though. Deeply. (laughs) 
Hell yeah. This is, there's just a Formula One race happening with my thoughts right now. <laughs> it's funny that you, you mentioned, um, like with, with this talk, like mentioning that like your songs have like ended up at like affirmations. It like, it reminds me of like, um, <laughs> I, I I don't know what's happening with him now because he's kind of like disappeared from all social media. But okay, Andrew, Andrew WK, like what a wonderful force! What a yeah, wonderful force! That what a guy wonderful was. guy! But like I I feel like like he started out as like a noise guy, like in Michigan, yep. and yep. then and then became this thing. And like I'm wondering if he came to those conclusions that early on. Like I wonder yeah. like what happened in that guy's life, you know, where he was think- like. He was like, it's all about positive energy now. Yeah. Like you have and to- it happens though, because like, I, I, I'm not, again, not trying to does proselytize mean like overly express your opinions. Is that what that would mean? Or I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I say words and I'm like two steps behind the definition. <laughs> let's, sometimes. Yeah. Let's go with it. I'm, I'm yeah. Into it. Yeah. Yeah. I did that. I did that with a, another word. I said extol in a conversation the other day. I was like, what does extol mean? Why did I just say extolling? <laughs> did I just say that? What the heck? But um, I I feel like it's, oh, now I just lost it. I lost the train of thought. Where were we going with that one? Oh, it's, Andrew, it's w- Andrew WK. Oh, Andrew, is- like people like that. It's just like, I, I have, I, I'm not guilty about the art that I've made, but I am, I am slightly guilty in my own life of like, couldn't I just take it a little bit more time to let the cr- clouds break <laughs> right? and have a little bit more perspective, but I'm glad I did what I did, but it was so, and that was part of the, part of the heavy drinking is just, you're, you're like instinctual, but not in a good way. You're like, you're, you have instincts, but you don't, they're not the best instincts ever, but you're very impulsive and instinctual. So like, that was my songwriting, like, oh, I'm this and it's that and it's laid out. And I'm like, okay. Well, I'm glad I did that for those records. It was very important. Now I want to put a little bit more perspective, wait around for perspective or whatever. And I think the last one I did that better. You know, I, I definitely like I'm, I I feel like there was a d- very definite line in my discography between like a series of records I did that kind of ended with the record Raceland and new stuff started. Like yeah. I definitely feel this is a it's not a different band, but it just was like, it's time to flip the page a little yeah. bit. Forever and chords, forever chords felt like kind of, that was the end. Yeah, yeah. That was the end. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was the best, the, my sweet dearest friend, Kevin Ratterman, who I make my records with, and you know, he's become, you know, the most, a core person in my life. He, when I sent him the songs for in heaven, he said the greatest, and he produced in heaven, or excuse me, the one before erase my hand. And he, uh, when I sent him the demos for In Heaven, he's like, he's like, and he's got this wonderful voice. He's like, oh my gosh, it's like the third verse of Forever Chords just became the whole album. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's true. Because like the third verse of Forever Chords is weirdly affirmative. It's like, it's like, you know, if you believe you can be loved and all these things. And I guess I just took that last verse and just, I did, I kind of called my own shot of maybe where I want to go with the records because I was like, okay, I want to do, I want to, like, I was I, unconsciously switching it up for the last bit of things I was going to say, only to lead me into in heaven and, you know, wherever else I go from there. But yeah, it's, um, and or, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, well, it's, it's really interesting to me because I, I talked to you when I, when I, last time I talked to you, I asked you about this and it was more about uh, drinking, but now I kind of, 
can see a lyrical sh- a lyrical shift and maybe it's attributed to this experience and correct me if I'm wrong but when when you kind of stepped in to front Magnolia Electric Company for those tours like Jason Molina is someone that has had such a huge effect on me yeah. and has had such a huge effect on you as well yeah i i guess like you know Jason like the the constant motif was you know to try like to, to try, try to try and be better yep. to try and, yep. and you know I, I just think of like um like the last song on didn't it rain I'm, I'm yeah. forgetting about it but yeah um, but like uh like like I I feel like like when you were kind of inhabiting those songs and kind of like living those songs on stage night after night um did did that kind of experience of like living those songs did it make you kind of see someone that kind of needed the answers and then kind of figure out how to add those to your life or like was was that something that was uh, i mean the, kind of i that was an intense tour for me like mm-hmm. in all of the best ways because i was still drinking hard on that tour we were having a good time but i was i was in the depths of my problems and here i am singing songs of truly a fallen angel you know just someone who was you know too good for this earth with his abilities but was destroyed by you know the same thing that was destroying me at the time and i it was it was in the best of ways it removed the facade of a hero and it revealed how fucking tragic is he's not yeah, here <laughs> right like you know because there were parts of me and it's terrible to admit there's sexy things when you're in your 20s about like yeah i'm fucked up i'm so i'm oh, i'm wasted i'm just like oh everything's falling up i don't know why i was attracted to that for some reason i was attracted to chaos and the reality of it is like oh he's just not here he's like not gonna make it more music and, you know, I shouldn't be up here. He should be playing fucking stadiums. And this should be as big as Bruce Springsteen because it is just as important in my mind and many others. And it was, and just being around his band, you know, we were, we're all from Indiana. We all grew up within, it's wild. Like you've never seen so many big loud Hoosiers in your life <laughs> in a van. Like our tour manager was this great guy, Dutch guy, Jan. And he's, you know, I spend a lot of time with Dutch people. And he turned around at one point when he was driving. And it's like, and Aaron Osman, who's this wonderful writer, she wrote the biography on uh, mm-hmm. Jason Molina. And she was with us on that tour. And she's from Indiana, too. So it's all these Hoosiers. And we're just laughing, talking so loud, too. The loudest people you ever met. And the Dutch tour manager turns around. And he's like, you're all so fucking nice (laughs) (laughs) and like we had to be we laughed we did so much laughing on that and slow-mo brenner he's philadelphia but he's an honorary hoosier he plays flap steel dear friend of mine philadelphia legend but um we had to laugh because like i would look over at jason gross the guitarist who's funnier than i am bigger louder all that stuff and we had to smile because we would accidentally catch eyes during a thing and start crying on stage. And like, we can't do this. We can't, this is a responsibility of these songs. And like the first show we played in Leeds was, was a mess because we were bawling. (laughs) Like, 
the it was hard. I didn't know the guy. You know, I, my life was just saved by him, and my career was started as his inspiration, as a spark for that. But I didn't know him, and it was like so. Then that added weight of like, oh my god, these guys were in a van with him for however many years and went through all the ups and downs a band does, and it was it was unbelievably cathartic in my life, and I. I'm extremely thankful I did it, but it wasn't easy. Yeah. You know, it was because I, I, you, 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 all you have to do is, oh, you don't even have to play the songs or know how to play them on guitar, sing them. You, but you just take one second to dissect Molina's songs and you're realizing you're listening to a Duke Ellington caliber genius, yeah, like Cole I, Porter, that kind of world. And I, I, I always tell, tell friends, you know, like who are like trying to get into him that, he's going to be regarded as the next Towns Van Zandt. Yes. Like that's, that's kind of what I think. And Towns Van Zandt was a, a little too, I love his music, but he was just like, he didn't talk about trying that as much as Molina. Oh, no, no. Towns, <laughs> you know? Towns, Towns had like a cocky streak, like streak yeah. in him, you know, he was like a little. Yeah. And that's probably different between Texas and Indiana. Cause well, Molina was from Ohio, but very similar Midwest ethos of just like, I don't know. I just going to do it. I'm just yeah. going to try, you know, like I remember I had a terrible uh, when I was in my kind of like going through puberty, turning into a teenager, I got uh, rheumatic fever or something like it was uh, a juvenile arthritis and I could not my I was in physical therapy five days a week so they could get my ankles working. It was a terrible time in my life. It's basically when I had crutches, you know, and stuff in seventh grade when everybody's already ready to make fun of kids and i'm sitting yeah, here with right. like can't walk i can't do anything I had to quit the basketball team my life is just i'm on early versions of opiates before they were canceled you know i'm on basically heroin in seventh grade because of dumb doctors and i remember i couldn't i, I couldn't even get out of bed because my knees wouldn't move because it arthritis freezes your joints and mm -hmm. my joints are still messed up from it but like my grandpa Dale like came in and he was so like, he was such a tough, but nice guy. The dude was jacked, you know, like giant biceps, scary dude, but also wonderful. My grandpa, for some reason was there when I think my dad called him over the house and I was just giving up. I was like, done. I was like suicidal seventh grade. You know, this world is just not working for me. My grandpa was like, grab my knees. And he's like, you either stay in bed or get up. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he's, and I was so mad at him for screaming at me. He's like, he's like, you get your ass out of bed, you know, bend those knees, walk. And like, I did, you know, and that's, that's the Molina thing. That's when I hear Molina. And, and I, and that's when I don't hear a maudlin feel sorry for myself songwriter, which I'm somewhat guilty of sometimes. And Molina was served the same role as my grandpa. He's like, I don't fucking care. Get up, do it. Like try, you know, and yeah. that's, that's what I, that's what I gravitated towards. You, you are know? not helpless. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't get through without tearing up. You can't, I can't even quote him anymore. Like yeah. <laughs> it's just too much, you know, and I put him on, I put him on and I, I'll admit this to you now. I don't play his music much. I, I just can't. It's not because I, it's not my favorite music. It's because it's, it's too important. And it's, I, I revere it to the extent that 
the power that his lyrics wield in my life and what it conjures sometimes is far too much for me to handle in that Wait, like was there a song like a specific song on stage where it was like almost too much for you the first yeah. time like a specific one yeah whippoorwill oh. it's a uh, yeah <laughs> yeah we close with it oh, <laughs> or man. second to last yeah it's too much it was that song is perfect yeah a perfect song, song. I, I i can't listen to the song north star anymore yeah like just yeah that i know final the final line. i'm tearing up right now i could i just yeah i think about those like and the fact that it was all like so hyper-focused regionally to what I understood. Like right. he was singing about the bridge out of Hammond. I know that bridge. That's what I drove to all the time to get through Gary, get out of Indiana and all that stuff. Like I know Hammond, I know their football team, you know, like all that stuff. And it's like, it was just, it was music design. I'm not from Texas. I love Willie Nelson's music, but I didn't grow up rustling cattle. You know, I didn't, you know, and that's prime is prime is like the positive example. He's like the, it's kind of like, you know, here's the dorky reference. Molino was Anakin Skywalker. You know, he had all of this conflict, but such a central good in in him. But conflict. And Prine just reminds me of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, figure this out. I got this. Like, Prine is like the, Prine is like the you know, the Yoda or something like that. And, yeah. and you know, Molina was the Anakin, you know, that really struggled with both forces and tried to communicate with both, but there's a star Wars room. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember if we talked about this last time we talked, but just hearing, you know, growing up, um, hearing Prine's first record and having Sam stone and hello oh. there just back to back. Like, I, I think that, I think that was probably the most important moment in yeah. my life. Like hearing yeah. those two songs back to back. Because he's not singing about like, I don't know. It's just, I always said, said this about Prine and Molina, I guess. I, I hope I'm part of that lineage, like existential colloquial speak, you know, just like it's as, it's as wildly rapturous as like, you know, like what's the author, Gael Garcia, the hundred yeah. years of solitude, you know, it's just like, it's living in mysticism, but also so something you'd hear your aunt or uncle say at the bridge table. <laughs> Or something like that, you know, and it's, it, it, it dances those lines and yeah, I didn't really put that together until I, I think my brain just made a road connection with Molina and Prime, how they are so connected in a lot of ways. And they both, you know, Prime just was so much better at disguising the saddest songs of all time in yeah. this, like, Hey, I'm John Prime and I'm out of my, and I'm like, within that is just gut-wrenching sam stone is how do you handle that like how do you (laughs) yeah right you know and it's just you know i or something is like you know when i get to heaven he's talking about his death yeah and it's just like that's the that's the ultimate sad song smoke you know yeah smoke a cigarette that's nine miles long you know it's perfect you know and i just oh man music is magic though it's truly like i I was, I was hanging out with, uh, uh, I was in Los Angeles this summer and I was helping my friend build a studio, my friend Kevin, and, and he's, uh, went to like kindergarten, I think with Jim James from my morning jacket. So they're dear friends. And I, we were just hanging out around a bonfire and, and we had like a Bluetooth speaker and we're listening to the Beatles and Jim James, another hero, you know, I get, get to hang out, which is a wildlife, but Jim was just like, we're listening to the Beatles. And Jim was just like, the Beatles are a miracle. 
And I was like, oh, God, it's the greatest description ever. Yeah. You know, we were listening to Benefits of Mr. Carter. Somebody's like, the Beatles are a miracle. And he said it was such truth and lack of any cynicism whatsoever. And I was like, yeah, they are. They're an absolute miracle. This is a total miracle that they exist. They're John Prine or Melina. A miracle. Alice Coltrane. You know, I, I was, I, and that's like, I have a new genre of music. Uh, whatever my, I don't have, I don't like, I don't know what algorithms are necessarily, but whatever my algorithm is now is just miracle music. It's all I'm looking for. And it's not a genre, you know, like bombs over Baghdad is miracle music. You know, it's like, you know, anything is, you know, it's, it's not design. It doesn't have to be a Seager Rose song to be, you know, like miracle in that sense, you know, and I, I've just been searching out those songs. You know, ever since Jim said that, I was like, yeah, I just want to listen to miracle music now. Like, I don't listen to Talk Talk or like, you know, Carol King or something like that. You know, like absolute transcendent music. That's what. And now, but I've got the filter. I can filter. I can hear stuff like this is miracle music. You know, this is this is this is something different right now. You know, <laughs> did, did you ever see um, there was like a Foo Fighters documentary series on HBO called Sonic Highways? I love that. I watched I watched every single one of those on a plane once. Thought it was, it was wonderful. New Orleans one yeah. at Prez Hall and all that. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Like Chicago without being yeah. and stuff. Oh, yeah. But what was so I, I love the series. But what I thought was so funny about it was they would go to all these magical quote unquote magical studios, but then um, Butch Fig would just bring his own board or something. So, so it would just like, they would be recording in electrical audio, but it wouldn't end up sounding like electrical audio. Like it would just, and to talk about miracle music, um, you know, you kind of like, like you can listen to like an Arthur, Arthur Russell record. Yeah. Oh, come on. and it's yeah. like, and it's like something that he made in his cramped, yep. you know, Lower East Side yep. apartment, you know, yep. and that sounds just as, you know, I don't know, like dreamlike, exactly, or, or vibey as like, yep. as like a like a talk talk record. Yeah, know? and there because I think like uh, I'm just gonna phone my battery slow. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, let's see how I get this. Is this on? Dang it. Is that working? Yeah, I, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, great. But I was like, I think people like Arthur Russell is such a good example. That's, he is, I heard World of Echo way too young and it, I wasn't ready for it. I had a cool kid when I was in eighth grade show me Arthur Russell and I was like, oh, I'm not ready for this. And I knew it was good, but I was like, I'm not ready for this in my life. Like, I just figured out super unknown. Like, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> yeah, right. Another magical was, record eventually became Arthur Russell's deeply important in my life. But I think there is something where like, you just see like an outcast is a perfect example. And like, I, I've been listening to outcast going back and just diving into outcast. Cause there's just something they just, it sounds somewhat ridiculous, but I just think there's a river that people walk through the woods of life, especially creative people. And they just find this river that, talk talk went to and Joni Mitchell and all these people have found and they found this river and they don't always find it, but they just find this thing that gives you something like Sam stone or, you know, spirit of Eden or Alice Coltrane, Gillian Welch. Tom Waits called, didn't Tom Waits say like songwriting is like fishing or something like that. Like it's, 
It absolutely is. And but there is this moment of like, I mean, I've probably listened to Bombs Over Baghdad a thousand times in the past like three months. I just can't stop listening to it. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. This place. Where do you find this place? And like, how did they find this? Because they are connecting on that same level as like a Parliament's first record with Eddie Hazel or something like that. Like, or you know, I've been listening to like the miracle music thing. Like I, I, I put on Duke Ellington all the time or like Louis Armstrong. If you're sad, just put on Louis Armstrong. Like his old stuff is, is just like, it's just joy personified. It's like, yeah, you know, and, but there is this, I, cause I found it a few times in my life. I found it with not even whole songs, just a few turns of phrases. I found that river and I got to hang out there for like a few seconds. And I think like one of them is like the third verse in horses at night. I'm in heaven when I talk about like aliens and Jimi Hendrix, like that's <laughs> it's the river. Cause like that to me is as important as anything I'll ever write, but it is just like, you just find music. Like there, there's a new artist that I just got turned on to. His name is Alistair Deplume. Have you heard uh, this name? No, no. Okay. So he, I, I heard this song this summer and then uh, it's called, is that enough? And it's, I severely recommend listening to this song. It's unbelievable. But then he just put out a new song called Don't Forget Your Precious, I think it's called. And the whole song is just that same affirmation thing. It's like, don't forget your precious. And it just is reiterating this phrase over this like kind of cold. He's a saxophone player. So it's got Coltrane in there. But I'm just like, that's what I'm looking for. And the good thing is it's like, people only think that I love everything because I'm excited. I'm like, no, I just don't talk about the things like you get that much more pronounced. If it's some form of art that it's not connecting with me, I just don't give any time to it. I'm like, I can't spend a second with this because there's another (laughs) song somewhere else. There is a Nina Simone song I haven't heard. I don't have any time for this. That's not doing that for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I, I, I was talking to, um, I was talking to like a group of comedians, like um, my, my friend's like an improv comic and uh, he was, he, he actually like owns a club in Berlin, but was like in the States, like before the pandemic doing like, like spots at like UCB or something before yeah. that shut down. And uh, we were hanging out with like a bunch of comedians and we were talking about books. And this guy was like, he's like, yeah, I just like got to the point in my life where if like, I don't know, like if I don't, if I'm not sure about a book after like a certain amount of pages, I'll just put it away and I don't feel bad about it anymore. Yeah. But I, I feel that way about so many things now with like yeah. movies, records, you yep. know, like I'm, I'm the same. Well, it's, well, there's miracle songs, but maybe it's also a term miracle filter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things of just like, Nope, Nope, don't need it. You know, or something, you know, it's like, you know, I, but it is, it's, it's, it's what like, it's kind of this whole force of like, I spent, you know, I, I didn't, I kind of got a lot of the things I needed to do done pretty early in the pandemic. So I had a lot of way too much time on my hand. So I, I spent a lot of this past summer, just like investing in friendship. That was like, I was like, I want to invest. So I was like helping my friend Kevin and uh, his new studio and just like, but we were having these weeks of like heavy work, you know, like it's hot out, we're doing construction, but we also would have these moments of just like, four or five friends listening to whole records, just sitting in a room and just like listening to music and turning each other on to freaking insanely good new music. And 
I just, I felt like, like there's a song, uh, it's by Wayne Shorter and it's, it's called, uh, Ponto de Aria, I believe I'm not, it's Portuguese, but I'm not good at pronouncing it, but right. he, it's, it's another song. I, it's a miracle song, but it's Ponto de Aria. And, but when my friend Kevin showed it to me and when he showed it to me, I think he said something long, like, this is it. This is the le- this is the bar that I want set in my life right now. This feeling I get, this is what I want to achieve try to achieve every day. This level of joy and like this this miracle level and like and we've tried to maintain that. You know, we've tried to like because life is I still have moments of utter despair, like the darkest mo- the blues I call them. I get the blues and it's bad when I get it's a, it'll last for like a week. I'll just get this reset thing and it's it's similar to that movie phantom thread that yeah oh daniel day lewis will go back into this cocoon phase and i do that too like i'll paint like seven picture paintings in like a two-month period and then i will just bomb you know and that movie that movie specifically like i i feel like nothing has gotten that frantic artistic brain better right like I, I feel yeah it is the perfect one like it you know i it's it's a perfect representation of what it means to try and like i was saying earlier find that river <laughs> you know and do it make you go mad because you're like i'm here i'm in this place and, you know and like you know and i feel and then i i got it i got blues really bad like for some reason like after christmas and it wasn't based around the holidays. It was based around like, I was just on this roll for a while, this like creative and like just spark. It was just on fire. And I was just painting and I was writing songs. And then I got to, I was in this painting and I totally thought I had it. Like I, 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 I saw the whole painting happening and I had made like, I kept progressing and I just utter failed. I just failed at this painting. Like it, it did not, I couldn't do anything I wanted and then I was like, well, I'm going to try and write songs. And I couldn't do anything I wanted with music. So I just, I felt like I, I used it all up, you know, and for like a two week period, I thought I'm not going to be able to do any of this stuff anymore. And it was deaf. And I called my friend Kevin. I was like, I have the blues so bad right now. And that's an Indiana way of putting it. It's like, I'm severely depressed. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> depressed. And, but I, but then I just realized like after this last wave, I realized again, with the perception of like, this is something, it's a wave. And I wish someone would have told me that when I was 15, like it's a wave and you, you're not going to get swept out to sea. You know, it's like, it'll, it's, you're going to come bounce back up. And, you know, I remember it, I, I was like, I was like just desperately trying to milk something out of my guitar or keyboard. And I was up late. And I just found something. I found a melody. And I was like, it's right in the world again. It, it didn't go away. Okay, we're going to do this again. And again, it's not just, you don't have to be a songwriter. You know, you could work at FedEx or whatever you're doing to keep alive, you know, and get get through life. But that's just, it. it's, it's a great perspective on just what it is to be alive sometimes, you know. And God, it's, but still, yeah, I get the blues definitely get the blues. What, what, um, what got you into painting? Or had you always been into painting? 
No, well, I always, yeah, I, I was. It was just a lack of confidence because it wasn't what I did. Right. I, I something happened where when I was like 22, I was doing everything. I was like into painting. I was into music. I was in all this stuff. And then when the music thing became more serious, I became my brain almost became like a monoculture of just like what what I do is music. I write songs and I play them live. And that just that ran its course after I wrote in heaven. Cause I was like, I don't want to write any songs now. I don't want to, I have no intention of writing songs after I finished in heaven. I was like, I love this album. Like I'm not done writing songs. I just can't imagine myself writing a song for the next period of time. So then I just like, I was like, well, I have to do something. I have to create something. So I just started like painting tiny little things to like fill wall space in our house. And then, then I started watching documentaries on YouTube and then I started reading and I started like deeply for a year, went to college on my own account, you know, in my own brain of like art history and art methods. And I just, the conceptual world opened up with painting. And then I went to the art store and I was horrified to go to the art store because I'm always, as like I said, I look like a bounty hunter, but I'm always scared of people making fun of me. I just, one of my biggest fears is people like, oh, look at this idiot. You know, like he doesn't know anything about art. And, you know, I'm horrified of people making fun of me still. I shouldn't I'm, be. I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. I just worried somebody's going to laugh at me. Like, you know, uh, and so I went to this art store and I was real nervous because it was like, it was like going to a record store if you don't know anything about. Or, or a guitar, guitar store. I, I feel yeah. like that every time I go in. Exactly. And I walked in there, but then I like weirdly some... I must have had a look on my face. So it's Jerry's Artorama in Austin. I'll give him a shout. <laughs> but it's like a high-level art store. I'm very intimidated. I know nothing. And this guy just walks over. He's like, hey, you need help? And I, and usually I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Because I'm horrified of like not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, like, and I was like, actually, I need help. I want to become a painter. <laughs> I don't know how. And he just stayed with me for like an hour. And showed me how to buy raw canvas. He went and gave me like two plexiglass plates. And he's like, I think when you're talking about Gerhard Richter, you want to do something like this. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then he was like, explain to me the difference between acrylic and oil and dry times and what Basquiat used to do his markings. And, and he just set me on the course and I went home and, you know, I, I uh, had... <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I had, I, I, I have particular fun that I do with my brain to get it really cooking. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was doing that, and you know, and then everything came out. I was like, oh, there's, I, it's not about if I can do this or not. It's as if I will allow my body to do this, right. and and you don't have to be good. It's not about being good at something. It's about doing something. And I just this world opened up and changed my life, you know? And like, I, and now when I'm writing these songs, I think about songs in the conceptual realm of like, and I was talking to my manager the other day, I was sending some of these new songs and I was like, I think what happened with painting is I learned conceptual. I learned to open up my conceptual mind. So when I'm writing songs, I'm not writing songs. Now I'm more like arranging songs. Right. And, Songs are sounding different and there's a difference in writing and arranging and 
painting helped me understand of like, oh, you arrange songs. That's how you go from, that's how you go from like, and I love Duran Duran, but like, that's how you go from Duran Duran to talk, talk. You have this other elevated idea of conceptualizing. And Duran Duran's so good. I shouldn't have said Duran Duran. My apologies to wonderful band. <laughs> but like, no, I get there, it. There's, there's surface, you know, there's different levels of things. And I, I, I don't know. And, and that's another thing. Like I encourage people to just do something they don't think they're good at. Just like, try it out, go to dance class. You know, like I have a friend, she's wonderful. And she's been going to like dance classes that are like these movement, different, uh, like meditative fate stages of dance. And I'm like, I want to go to a dance class. I want to learn how to like, yeah, I was, I was talking to, uh, uh, Emma Ruth Rundle about that. She's, she's been doing what? dance. She's saying on my record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, 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 I interviewed her for uh, this podcast, and she was talking. Oh, we talk- wow! Yeah, we, we oh. talked about dance. Yeah. Oh, you were talking about dance with Emma. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's in a. Da- that's of course she's the cool. She's one of the coolest. I she I met Emma because she uh, was just wrapping up her record with my friend Kevin, so he was making on dark horses, and oh. she. That the day I came to make a race for me. Oh, so wow. it was a terrible thing because I haven't started my record yet and I'm uneasy and I hear on dark horses finished. Just like, and I'm, uh, I don't even, why am I making an album? And I'm like, why am I doing? And I was just like, and I was probably super stoned or whatever, but I was hanging with Emma and I just met her and I was like, this is like a sister I've always wanted. But I was like, I was like, you are, <laughs> you have somehow combined everything I love about heavy and Emmy Lou's Harris's wrecking ball. And you have made that album. You, I was like, did you make this record for me? Like, <laughs> I'm like, did you look inside my brain computer and make this album for, but Oh yeah. Emma's God. Yeah. I love, I love her music. She's amazing. She's- but she, of course, of course. Cause she's trying to find that river too. You yeah. said she's dance now. Yeah, yeah, she um yeah, she was just talking about like um like she's been doing like that new record is all just stripped down, you know, like yeah, solo. But but she had been like choreographing like music videos and and taking dance classes and and um yeah, she said this a similar thing that it just kind of like opened up you yeah. know, a whole new avenue for her. Maybe that's something we try next. Maybe the next talk will be like, yeah, I just finished this kind of movement or you know like maybe i'll that'll be into my next goal i want to get into that (laughs) i've i've been i've just been like i think stanley kubrick said it or someone talking about sam but but they're like stanley every day found something to be fascinated by yeah and sometimes like and i'm understanding how my brain works better because like i'm sitting here like for the past month my wife she's so amazing, but she's just weathered so many phases and my brain's being so scattered. And she was like, I get how your brain works a little better. I was like, what do you mean? And like, I'll be on YouTube and I'll be watching like old video recording rave footage from like 1989 of like, not even a documentary, just people with their video camera at a rave in Manchester. And I'll watch like three hours of it. Then I'll watch, you know, infomercials about Alice Coltrane's ashram. And then I'll, then I'll like read this whole thing about like failed Nintendo technology that didn't take off or something, you know, and like, but what I'm realizing is my, and you probably 
when you said you're collecting, you know, and you're doing like, you know, you're sitting with your thoughts and being a writer, I realize that's the same with what I do too, or try to do is like, I'm just collecting a new culture for whatever I want to do next. And I'm like, yeah, the fact that this laser gun for Nintendo didn't work because the controller was wrong and happy Mondays did this drug to make that TB303 sound. Like, all of that is like creating the next kingdom for whatever record I do that <laughs> whoever wants to listen to, you know, and it's, it's, and that's the big thing of like fascination, just seek out fascination. So, Something I wanted to ask you about, and this kind of ties into that because um, there's just like a wealth you can dive into, just an endless well you can dive into. But I, so like I was saying before, I grew up by Vermont. So the first kind of musical stuff I got into was jam band stuff because, hey man, because, you know, it was, it was who I was around, you know, And, and being in like a small town and like, trying to get friends like I got you know kind of I would kind of see like not necessarily fish but like newer jam bands a lot because they would just like roll through and then like kind of you know I I saw fish a couple times but that was like the first kind of musical phase that I became obsessed with and then kind of grew out of yeah I I like got into indie rock and then like hardcore and metal and like you know just obscure stuff after that yeah but I think what fish and those bands did for me was kind of get me excited about the cult of music and like finding out yeah you know like like being like okay what are what are the shows to listen to like what are what are like you know where can i find it like is it on archive.org yet like can i can i like get into this stuff and and I think like the noisy aspects of the dead and kind of out there moments of fish, like if you can deal with that stuff, like you can deal with, you know, wolf eyes or like harsh harsh noise or something like that. I'm talking about fish is one of my fish. Fish actually is so responsible for my joy level, especially in the past few years because I was I liked them in high school, but then I like couldn't afford to go see them. And then they broke up by the time I was had any money to go see them, you know? So I was like, and I was like 21 and then they broke up or whatever. But like I fish came very strongly into my life, you know, maybe seven years ago, I went to go see him in Wrigley. It was unbelievable. And, but like the thing that the thing that fish is a miracle is I saw him at Camden at the BB and T and they were, so out there at one point i mean they were so far into some type two jam that it was and i looked around i'm like this is the biggest touring act in the country yeah and they this out there this is a miracle and there's people (laughs) dancing there's people dancing right now to iculus or whatever like they're doing it and like they are playing they're probably playing a small venue right now and there's twenty two thousand people here right now like it was so that is, to me, I believe, I believe fish is truly, uh, what do you call it when they're um, not confrontational, but like, they're like, like they're agitators like, or something yeah. like, and it's in the best kind of ways. Like it's, it's truly out there music. And it's like, I'm like, and it's this popular, this is, and it's still underground. How is it underground? Like they're sold out three nights at Wrigley. And like, I, you know, like, 
Oh, but my favorite thing with fish is I'll be like, I wear the disguise of a, I'm at a psych rock fest or something like that. And, and I just drop my love of fish all the time. I try and seek out like the people who are trying to act the most pretentious. I'm like, oh, I love fish. I love that band. What are you going <laughs> yeah. to tell me? Well, I know more. I know cooler music than you do. Trust me. You're 22 and I, you're going to judge me, but I love fish. And you just had Spotify for two years and found a few playlists. It's like, <laughs> like come out as a fan to people. And they're like, what? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because like, yeah, like I, I remember thinking that, you know, especially like, like, um, like being like there, it's, it's so funny that like bands like Zeppelin or, or, um, or fish, like it's, it's very similar where they're like these bands where like, it's like even like the nerdiest message board people, um, and like, like, like a linebacker on the high school football team will like fish. Both. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I've ran into the, I've ran into people before that I was like, sometimes when I, when I throw it out there, people are like, I love them. I saw them. And then they've seen them like 300 times. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, but the thing is people are like, well, it's not for me. I'm like, well, most of the music you probably like is not for me, but I'm not like being vocal about not liking it. It's yeah. just, <laughs> I mean, I, I have to be honest. I mean, like I have, like I've, I've kind of fallen out of it. Like, you know, I, I, it's just not something I go to anymore, but, of course, yeah. but, it, but it, but it was something that like, yeah, like I'm totally grateful, you know, yeah. for, for how it changed my musical brain. And it's up like to, to like, and that it sets you up for world building. And that's yeah. what I, that's maybe the element I love about fish the most, because it's like why I love star Wars so much. Like I, I, I was, I came at a weird age where I, I was born in 1982 and when I was prime Star Wars age was the darkest period in Star Wars productivity. There's nothing. There's no movies. I was 10. I mean, what was Star Wars doing in 1992? You know, so I had the books. I just was reading all of the. Uh, I, I remember those books. Yeah. Read all. Of them. I, I swear, like every single one of them. But that's why I love fish, too, is because, like, I know where I know the inner family conflicts at the shipping yard that builds all of the empire ships. Like, you know, there's like generational conflicts that the people who own the, the shipping yard or whatever. And like, I know that the huts had to move to the moon now Shaddaa because they're, they destroyed their planet and they had to move to, you know, deep nerd stuff that I, I can't control my brain from learning. But that's when, when I just really dug with fish, I was like, Oh, there's a game hinge. There's a whole mythology. There's a language. And then that's, that's how you really get my brain turned on when there's like endless depth to, to the amount of research you can do. <laughs> I love researching stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny with them too, because like, I mean, there's this whole kind of like indie jam resurgent like yeah. kind of thing going on right now. And, you know, I was, I was like, you know, getting ready, you know, for this talk. And I was like, Oh, I kind of want to talk to Tim about fish. And, and I was thinking about, I don't know why I thought about this record, but I thought about round room. You know that fish record? Yeah, absolutely. And and I was just like, that record, I remember when that came out and all the people that I knew who loved fish were like, I remember I got it for Christmas and like I was like listening to it and and loved it and I remember talking to like all my friends who loved fish and they were like that's their worst record by a mile. <laughs> like it's it's horrible. And like it's and, half you're the and, one that loved 
<laughs> but like, but I, I was listening to it today and I was like, like, this is such like a warts and all, like, mm-hmm. like almost Neil Young record. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and, that capability, like they're like, I, I don't know. I just really, I really like, I just want whatever. I want that spirit to happen when people are making things now. I'm just, I just don't want things to become like, I told my wife, and th- this is the other side of me that I don't do on Twitter much, but like, I'll never name the bands because I don't want to be mean or say bad things specifically, but we heard a song on the radio and it, I told my, she was like, my wife was like, I don't know. What does this sound song like sound? What does this song sound like? I was like, this song sounds like the way I feel when I see a target sign for like the sore target. It just makes me feel so little, like so wasted in my brain. That's what this song sounds like. And that's what scares me sometimes about movements and art. You know, I'm just like, I just want some, I don't want people to keep finding that river. (laughs) You know, I'm like, I'm pretty sure Kendrick Lamar will put out a record this year and we'll spend a long time with that river. (laughs) But, you know, it's like, I just want that to, I want that to exist in like people coming up and not worrying so much about like that, that posturing of like, we've sold out the show. We've done this. We've done this. Now we do this. Now we have the bus and now we're doing this. And it's like, yeah, what about the stuff you're making? Let's, let's still not lose track of that because like, you know, it's the, it's, you know, for me, my age, like it's, it's very regionally specific, but I thought the venue Shubas in Chicago when I saw, I think I saw Damien Gerardo there and it was like in 2000 or 99 or something. And he had sold out Shubas and it was in Chicago. And I swear to God, 3000 people were there. Like I thought like I'm in, I have seen the biggest artist I will see ever. You know, it was just from my brain. And then I played Shubas years later and I was like, this holds 200 people. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. an indie rock, at the late nineties, that was the giant success. I'm like, he sold out Shubas. Who does that? <laughs> you know? And it was like, and I still have that. Like, I love getting bigger. You know, I love, I love it when more people come to my shows. It's awesome. But I still, I don't know, maybe I've made too many, maybe I've chased the river too much at the, the at the uh, risk of my own success, you know, like, you know, physical success or whatever as a band. But I just, like, I look back and think of like all the moves I could have made to maybe get a few more fans. I could have added a whistle in a song or a chant because for some reason people chanted for six months and then they stopped chanting and then <laughs> yeah. whistled or they clapped or they shouted at you. What you know, was it? And the, I, uh, the millennial whoop? It was yeah. Like, the, yeah, right. <laughs> Like, well, I didn't whoop or do that. Maybe I should have whooped a few more. I would have, but it's like, I am getting deeply more comfortable with like my catalog and, and prouder of it as I get older. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I made that choice. Like, that's cool. Like what a weird call to do that. <laughs> or, yeah. I mean, or, I mean, that's, oh. that's like the only marker of success, right? I it, mean, it, it is. Yeah. And I, 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 and, and whatever you do, it's like, you know, I, like when my mom talks about her three boys, that's that's the equivalent of, you know, Mozart's catalog in her mind, you know, like the what she's done. You know, she raised these 
good three boys or whatever like that. And, and, and I believe that's the same accomplishment. You know, that's, that's the exact same or more accomplishments of the greatest artist discography. And it is like, I think it's good for people to start doing that. Cause like, I was a severe revisionist for too long. Every time I would make a record, like, yeah, my last record sucks. This one's the one you got to listen to. For some reason, I needed to do that to make something new. I needed to almost like nullify my past in order to like, uh, you know, I don't know, like make relevant whatever I'm doing now. And I'm like, fuck, I'm never doing that again. Like, I love my record. Like someone asked me, they were like, oh, were you disappointed or whatever in this record? It's like, no, I love my albums. That's why I made them. <laughs> like, that's like, why they're there. It was my, everything in me, you know, like I didn't, I didn't not play in the Super Bowl halftime show, but man, I'm like, we had, this is weirdly morbid, I guess, but like it was very bad wind when I was flying into Los Angeles a few days ago, really bad. And we had to circle Burbank like five times. And I was like, well, this might be it. And I'm like, man, I'm psyched about my life. I was like, <laughs> I'm just psyched. Psyched I got to be married to an awesome partner, you know, and family, a cool-ass career. And I was like, well, that's, I never had this feeling before. I was like, because there was like a moment where I was like, this plane might go down right now. Like, this yeah. might be yes. I was shaking for like 24 hours. But but I, that's the first thought that came to my mind. I was like, man, I'm psyched about this life. This is a great one. <laughs> really pumped. <laughs> Can you, um, you know, just before I let you go, can can you talk about what you're doing in LA, or is it kind of hush hush right now? Well, if it if it's not if it doesn't go on like the recording, is that okay? If it's like private, just between you and me. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that later. We'll we'll say goodbye yeah, now and then. Yeah, it, <laughs> right, cool. it, I'm actually not allowed to talk about it. Like, okay. Public. So it's yeah. No I don't worries. know. If I haven't asked, but I'm just it's like a new thing. So I'm kind of scared to ask too many questions. I'm just like, yes, whatever you guys want. That's cool. It's great. Right, cool. Well, let me uh, officially end the recording then. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about it. All right. Yeah, you, are, Thanks, you, yeah. are, you are a miracle. This was an unbelievable talk. This yeah, is absolutely, I'm, I'm elevated after this discussion. So thank you. This was beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wait, hold on one sec. I'll talk to you in just a sec. All right. Thanks, Tim. <laughs>